Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. How many people love Isaac Gardner? Thank you so much. Isaac, you do look young. You can be seated. Give some, I was going to say, look how much weight you've lost. You look like Isaac Gardner's younger brother. And your beautiful bride prayed like a warrior princess. We love the gardener. How many people love the gardeners? I got to tell you, I, I just love, I honestly, I love our church. I just love our church. And uh, I always feel like, oh man, you know, I'm flirting when I'm preaching in someone else's church. And I'm like, I just can't wait to get back to my church where the cool people live. And uh, it's so, so awesome. Uh, let me just... Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit about faith and devotion is kind of like the, the topic where we're going to go today. It's a beautiful story where um, in Mark 5, Jesus crosses uh, back over from the Sea of Galilee, he goes over, casts out demons out of the, uh, the, the man with the Gadarenes, uh, man in Gadarenes, a guy with a legion of demons. He drives out all the demons. And the Bible says when the people came and saw him now clothed and sitting in his right mind and then were told what happened to the pigs, they asked Jesus to depart from that region, which is just such a crazy response. You would think that they would be in awe of the fact that Jesus' power changes lives. But these, these people love their pigs more than they love Jesus' power. And it's a snapshot of our world. It's a snapshot of our world. Uh, you know, today is the today Billy Graham graduated, went to heaven, 99 years of age. So Billy Graham passed away today, and I posted a tweet. My wife called me from Hawaii and told me to take it down. She said I was too combative. But I just asked the questions, would the same Hollywood celebrities who, you know, just a little while ago, who were mourning and celebrating the life of Hugh Hefner, uh, you know, he was my hero. You know, he spoke out for, you know, the guy who exploited women. And uh, that they, you know, they, they mourned his passing. But would they, would we hear, see the same mourning? And you won't because Billy Graham represented the power of God. Hugh Hefner represented what was unclean. And so, anyway, just a, just a thought. And so now Jesus crosses back over, and when he gets back over, there's a huge crowd there. And the Bible says, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, comes to Jesus and says, my daughter lies at the point of death. Could you please, you know, pray for her? Could you please cure her? Jesus says, I will. And the Bible says there's a great crowd thronging him and, you know, pressing all around about him. And... Uh, Let's go to verse 24. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him, thronged him, verse 24. Verse 25. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, Dr. Matt, suffered many things from many physicians. <laughs> Cut in the back, stitches. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard, which means somebody had to be telling. 
which means somebody had to be preaching, somebody had to be sharing their testimony, somebody had to, to be stepping into the silence, somebody had to be stepping into the fray, somebody had to be stepping into the void, somebody had to be stepping into the unpopular and just boldly declaring what Jesus has done, not bullied or intimidated by the crowd trying to mute them. Somebody spoken about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, the Bible says she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, Everyone say immediately. Immediately. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Then Jesus Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. If you ask me, it was actually his power that made her well. The Bible says, as soon as the power went into her, the bleeding stopped. Jesus didn't say to her, my power healed you. He says, your faith has made you well. Which is interesting because Jesus could have put the weight and the balance on his power. Most churches will, will gladly put the, the weight on Jesus' power, but watch what Jesus does. He actually shifts the emphases and the focus, and he says, You're f knowing I've always got power. God always has power. God never runs out of power. God doesn't wake up one morning going, oh, Gabriel, I'm powerless today. I hope no one asks anything. Oh God, people are praying. Oh myself. What do I do now? It's one of those powerless days. It's Tuesday. God wakes up in power. God wakes up with the ability to heal, with the ability to deliver, with the ability to transform every day. It's not about what God has. It's what you and I have. So he says to her, Oh daughter, your faith has made you well. If we were to do a synopsis we would say actually Jesus let me just pull you aside it was your power that no 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 Jesus like I know it was my power my power was here there's a reason the scripture talks about everyone thronging everyone grabbing everyone pouring at Jesus but one woman came with faith she comes with faith and everyone thronging no power flows but one woman with faith lays hold and what was on Jesus transfers into her so you and I on earth, you need to understand, we don't even know this lady's name. It's not like she was a royal or she was a dignitary or she was the president's wife or, or that she was a, a high priestess or a prophetess. It's just a no-named woman. And the story is in there because God wants you to know that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to. And it's not like she went to Jesus first. The Bible says for 12 years, she spent all her money on doctors and physicians. So it's like Jesus was a last option. So it's not like, yeah, you know, God healed her because, man, as soon as she got ill, she went straight to God. This is 12 years of suffering later. But her faith draws the power of God.
Wherever you are, wherever you live, you and I have access to a God who is all-powerful. You and I have access to a God that heals, who delivers, who, who sets free, who transforms. And all that He is looking for in you and I is faith. It is, it is faith that draws the power of God from heaven, draws the power of God through Christ into our lives. You and I are called to live by faith. And so, so now watch this. Then it, it, it switches for a second. Uh, and then it says, uh, verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. D-E-D, -E dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The, the world that we live in, again, we'll, we'll say, all right, all right, all right, you can believe in Jesus, but just believe that he was a teacher. Let's just reduce him to he was, he was a Confucius was a teacher. Buddha was a teacher. Muhammad was a teacher. They're, they're all on the same level. You know, you can't put Jesus above them. That's bigot. That's xenophobia. You can't. You shouldn't. It's politically incorrect. Why trouble the teacher? And he's just like other teachers. But how many people know that Jesus taught, but he wasn't just a teacher? Jesus did teach, but he wasn't just a teacher. Don't let, don't let other people's revelation. Don't let someone else's interpretation of who Jesus is limit what Jesus can do. So watch what Jesus does when he hears, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher anymore? As soon as Jesus heard that word that was spoken, he turned to the ruler of the synagogue and said, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And you've heard me say the difference between fear and faith is that fear is believing something you can't see will happen. Whereas faith is so different, faith is believing something you can't see will happen. Fear is believing something you can't see will happen. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. Fear, believing something you can't see will happen. Faith, believing something you can't see will happen. It's, 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 it's the same mechanism, it's just directed in two directions. One is directed away from God, and so you get away from God results. The other one is directed towards God. That's why the Bible says, have faith in God. We don't have faith in faith, we have faith in God. Where does faith in God come from? The fact that whatever God says, you can trust on. God is not a man that he should lie. If God has spoken it, the presence of God's word is the creation of faith. The presence of God's Word is the creation of faith. Whenever you and I face challenge, trial, difficulty, all I need is a word from God. If I get a word from God, then faith cometh. Once faith cometh, I have I, faith is the key that unlocks the entire treasury of heaven. Faith is the key that unlocks the entire treasury of heaven. 
When you and I go to heaven, we don't need silver, we don't need gold, we don't need we don't need anything. All we need is faith. That's why Peter and John, when they went up to the to the temple in Acts chapter three, silver and gold we didn't even bring with us, but we, what we did bring is faith. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the, the paralytic gets up and starts walking, leaping, praising, going into the synagogue because faith unlocks the treasury of heaven. Faith releases the supernatural. Faith releases the miraculous. We're called to be a house of faith. So Jesus knows right now this man can go in two directions. He just heard a word of hopelessness. He heard a word from the, maybe it was the, the doctors, maybe it was the medical practitioners. I'm not sure who the, the voice was that came from his house, but there was a word that came to him to unsettle him. There was a word that came to him to get him to give up. There was a word that came to him saying, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any further? But Jesus is like, <clears throat> I'm more than a teacher, thank you very much. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't go to fear. Don't let their word be the final word. Go to faith. Uh, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe and your daughter will be made well. And he permitted no one to follow except Peter, James, and John. And they went into the, the, the synagogue. And when he came in, he said, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. I want you to notice that faith sees differently. Faith sees, faith sees differently. Faith can look at a dead girl and see that it's not over. That there's still potential. That God's power is not limited by your circumstance. God's power is not limited by our perception of how hopeless the situation is. Faith sees differently. The Bible says, and the people ridiculed him. The people mocked him to scorn. So he put them all outside. That's what you've got to do. You've got to put them all outside. You and I are going to live in a world surrounded by mockers and ridiculers and naysayers and negativity people and doom and gloom. And you just got to lock them outside. You've got to just get them outside. Just talk to the hand. The ears are no longer listening. And then the Bible says he takes Peter, James, and John, goes in and, uh, and says, Talitha Kumi, which means... Uh, little girl, I say, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. They were overcome with great amazement. I love this story. Now, Jesus goes in there and he says, I say to you, arise. And the little girl arose because Jesus is the word of God. He, he, he knows wherever he goes, wherever the word is spoken, it turns death into life. It turns hopeless into hopeful. It turns devastation into celebration. That's what faith does. You and I are called to be messengers of faith to this generation. We're called to carry faith. You know, last week, sadly, there was a, a young 19-year-old boy that armed himself and went into a school in Lakeland, Florida, or Parkland, Florida, I think it was, and shot up and, and killed 17, you know, students. And uh, just, just such a, such a tragedy that something like that would happen and, you know, the gun debate is raging again and, uh, you know, people are, people are all petitioning and politicizing and everything else. But I just thought about how sad, because when, when they began to put young Nicholas's Cruz's face on the, on the TV and when they showed him in court, I just saw a very, very broken young man. I wanted to find out that he, had, you know, he lost his biological mama, his biological father, his home life was, was basically non-existent. And he posts that he wants to be a professional school shooter. It's not a profession, 
you, you can't do a course in school shooting and choose that to be, no one's gonna pay you. But, but here, is, here is a kid that knows on the inside that he's meant to be significant, but there are no voices around him. That there's no prophetic words coming to him to, to direct in a positive way the yearning for affirmation, for, for value, for worth, for significance on the inside of him. When, whenever, whenever somebody prophesies, the, the truth is, uh, when we prophesy, all, all that I'm saying is what the Holy Spirit's already saying. The problem is most of us don't believe what the Holy Spirit says. And I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest culprit because I live with me. And, and he looks into me but sees me very differently to how I see me. I see me through the eyes of my experience of knowing me. And I think I know me better than anybody else, which is quite arrogant because he knows me better than me. But I constantly have this battle where he'll, he'll say something and I don't really believe it because I disqualify myself because of my limitations, my weaknesses, my struggles, my battles, my faults, my... And so, so God then has to say, okay, I'm going I'm to get somebody else to tell you so that you know that it's me speaking, but you'll receive it because it's going to come from them. And so the Holy Spirit will, will do that. He'll, he'll, he'll bring people and they'll say, thus saith the Lord, and they'll, they'll speak into you. And I think that, that, that we need to make sure that we, un, that we are a generation that, that is constantly speaking to the emerging generation. I read this, this powerful story about a school teacher who was probably doing the greatest work I've heard to prevent future shooters. And this is, this is what I read, that every Friday, this particular teacher, every Friday afternoon, she asked her students, she's a, a fourth grade teacher, she asked the fourth grade students to take out a piece of paper and write down the names of four children whom they would like to sit with the following week. The children know that these requests may or may not be honored. She also asked the students to nominate one student who they believe has been exceptional an exceptional classroom citizen that week, and all the ballots are privately submitted to her. And every single Friday afternoon, after all the students go home, she takes out those slips of paper, places them in front of her, and studies them, and she begins to look for patterns. Who's not getting requested by anyone else? Who, ca who can't think of anyone to request? Who never gets noticed enough to be nominated? Who had a million friends last week, and yet none this week? This teacher begins to, what she's literally doing is doing an x-ray to see what's happening underneath, to see who's bully, bullying kids and see who's bullying, to see who's being isolated, to see who's being alone. Because she's discerned, discerned that a Nicholas Cruz is developed in the dark. A Nicholas Cruz is developed in isolation. Every single time, every single time you find a serial killer or whatever, you will find one common denominator. They spent a lot of time by themselves. They were by themselves. What was the first thing that God in all of creation said was not good? It's not good that man should be alone. Everything else God said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And God looked and God saw that it was good. And when God created man, he says, behold, and it was very good. And then the first thing that God says was not good was for you to do life on your own. Was for you to do life on your own. Now, what's interesting is that, that uh, you know, we, we preach the gospel 
And absolutely, we need to preach the gospel because the woman heard that it was Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she had faith. And so we need to preach the gospel. But what I love about this story is Jesus takes Peter, James, and John because he's teaching them you do life with people. We have to do life with people. And I just, I just love this story about this, this teacher because she understands that you and I need connection. You and I need relationship. If, if somebody had friends last week but none this week, is there, is there lessons that they learned? Were they rude? Were they arrogant? Were they, were they nasty? Were they sure? Do they need to be taught behavioral lessons? Do they need to be taught how to, how to be a friend? It's amazing when you read through the book of Proverbs, the Bible says a friend loves at all times. The, the Bible says that a whisperer or a talebearer separates the best of friends. So if somebody tells you something in confidence, they're believing that you're a confidant. But if you go and whisper that, if you spread that, you lose their confidence. People no longer are confident to share you things and all of a sudden you find yourself excluded where you were once included. You, you, a, a friend is someone who, who, who knows how to lock the key of their lips. A friend is someone that once it comes to me, it, it stays here. And so we, we live in an age where we've, we've got to make sure that we as a youth ministry and we as a college ministry and we as a church are looking, are we, no, are we, are we noticing those who isolate themselves? Are we noticing the loners? Do we reach out? I used to say that the devil's gift to every youth group is clicky groups. Yeah. Clicky groups. That, you know, we've got all friendships and relationships and there's a new person there and they just stay there because we've, we've got our little clique and we've got our little clan and we've already got our plans and our plans is we're going to go to La Jolla and we're going to have a bonfire on the beach and then we're going to go to this restaurant and we're going to do this and, and that there's a new person there and you don't know what's going on in that new person. They say that a, a, a person in Australia, this was a study, they said that if, if, if a, a new person to church can't identify two friends in three months, they will leave that church despite how good the worship and despite how good the preaching is. Because we think that man just wants a connection with God. People are actually longing for connection with one another. They're longing for connection with one another. Now you may say, well, you, Pastor, you don't understand. Most young people have got more friends on Facebook. They've got more followers on Instagram than, than I had when I was their, their age. But it's, it, it's, it's a cyber world. It's, it's not a real world. It's a fictitious world. Years ago, the, the number one public fear in America was public speaking was the biggest fear was public speaking today it's changed for the first time in many many years it's changed it's actually fear of interaction fear of interaction people don't know how to interact they, they, they don't know what to say or how to say it or don't know if they say it will they be rejected will they be accepted and and who's going to clean up the mess it's the church Always has been, always will be. So we have to model. So we have to, we have to teach. And this book here is full of wisdom. Jesus didn't die on the cross to start a new religion. He died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. In the Old Testament, in, in Leviticus, one of, the, one of the offerings that they had to bring for atonement was what they call a fellowship offering. A fellowship offering. They had to bring offering which was a, you know, an offering for their sin and for their transgression. And then God says, no, no, you're not done yet. You also got to bring a ram and you also got to bring a bull 
and it's a fellowship offering because I'm not just washing away your sins. My desire isn't just so that you are, you are sinless and then I can sit in heaven and pontificate. He says, my whole yearning, my whole desire is that you and I have fellowship. So there's a fellowship offering in, in, in the Old Testament because Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have relationship. You and I could have connection with God. And it's only once you have that connection with God that you can find that you have connection with one another. And I honestly believe that the, the answer to saving a generation and preventing school shootings really is the church preaching the gospel. The church using that faith that I was talking about to be unafraid and unashamed to go into high schools, unafraid and unashamed to go into middle schools, unafraid and unashamed to preach the gospel and to preach a gospel of love, to preach a gospel of power. If somebody would have just got around Nicholas Cruz and just put their arm around him and told him, dude, you don't need to be a shooter. God's got a call of you. You're created to be significant. And, uh, and God wants to heal the pain. And the Bible says, David speaking, that if my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And, and begin to, to, to care for that young man, bring him in. Can you imagine if he went to a youth group that was on fire? Can you imagine if he went to my city on a Friday night and got filled with the Holy Ghost? And people are, are longing and yearning for affirmation, for validation, for affection. And, uh, and if it doesn't come from the house of God, it ain't coming from anywhere. Jesus said, first sermon, you are the salt and you are the light. And we love that, but it's not a, a shirt that we wear. It's a burden that we carry. It's not a t-shirt that we wear. I'm the salt and I'm the light. It's a burden that we carry. The burden is if, if, if the world is dark, it's because we don't have our light on. If the world has lost its flavor and if there's no healing in the world, it's because we've lost our salt. And the church is not meant to be the light of the kingdom. It's meant to be the light of the world, which means that we're meant to go into the dark. And those who love the darkness because their deeds are evil hate the light because the light exposes the fruitless deeds of darkness. So, so part of going out, it means you, you're going to have some haters. Haters going to hate. You're going to have some haters. You're going to have some persecution. We live in, in a generation where, where, you know, it's the Christian pop stars. And we, we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be. Nobody likes to be rejected. And then, you know, I push the envelope probably too far the other way. And then say, like, oh, you don't have to be so combative. And uh, I'm like, well, they're going to hate me anyway. So I might as well just stick it to And she's like, stop it. I'm like, okay. And... Uh, we have to. You know, years ago, I remember uh, hearing the story of a lighthouse keeper. And the lighthouse keeper had a young apprentice. And this particular night was one of those 50-year uh, storms. It was, it was an unbelievable storm. The, the, there were like 40 to 50-foot seas. And waves were crashing into the rocks and literally shaking the lighthouse. And the, 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 the lighthouse light would flicker on and off. And, and uh, the lighthouse keeper knew that there were ships trying to make their way through these massive seas into the, the safety of a harbor. And so they had to keep the light on. The problem was the tide was only coming in, not going out which meant the water level was rising, which meant that the waves were going to thud even harder on the lighthouse. Finally, at one point, the waves got so big that it smashed into the lighthouse and extinguished the light. 
And the lighthouse keeper put on his, his coat and he said to the young man, I've got to go outside on the, the, the uh, steel stair well and climb up and turn it back on manually. And the young apprentice is obviously very, very fearful. And he, he says, but sir, if you go out, you might not come back. And the lighthouse keeper looked at the, the young apprentice and he said, I have to go out. I don't have to come back. It was so imperative that he's, we, we have to preach the gospel. We don't have to be loved. We have to preach the gospel. We have to go out. We have to go into the schools. We have to go into the colleges. We have to. You know, Billy Graham passed away this morning at 99 years of age. And, uh, you know, Dr. Matt said to me, man, you know, Billy Graham was called America's pastor. No one else has been called America's pastor. Man, who's, who's going to fill those shoes? I remember hearing a story of some students in, in college here in the United States of America who did a field trip to England. And in England, they went to the, the great evangelist, John Wesley's house, just a little kind of cottage house, two stories. And they went in and they, 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 they saw the little uh, front lounge room that faced onto the street and saw his library and his kitchen where they had the meals. And then they went upstairs and there was a, a bathroom, a bedroom, and then there was his bedroom. And so they went in and they're all looking. And then one of the students said, hey, what's, what's this rug beside the bed? with the two holes in it. What are the two holes? And they said, oh, those two holes are actually where John Wesley would wake up every morning and he would pray. And because he did it every day, he wore two holes in the rug. And one of the students said, oh, what would he pray? He says, oh, well, John Wesley, you know, would pray, God, use me to change England. God, use me to change the world. God, use me to change England. God, use me to change the world. They went through, you know, the bits of part, parts of the house up into the attic and everything. And they come down, they get onto the bus and just as they're pulling out of the street, the teacher's trying to do a head count with the bus moving and kids sit still. And you notice, hang on, it stops, tells the driver to stop, counts and there's a student missing. Counts again, there's one student missing. So they turn the car back around, they go back to the house and the teacher says, wait here, he goes inside. He says, when he walked into the house this time, there was like this eerie feeling, this eerie presence. And he could hear just this muttering coming from upstairs. So he quietly goes upstairs, and when he pushes the bedroom door open, he says he could just feel the presence and the power of God. And there's an 18-year-old kid on his knees. He's got his knees in the same holes in the rug. The teacher just waited just, just for a moment. And all he could hear was this kid crying out, saying, God, do it again. God, do it again. The teacher walked over, put his hand on his shoulder and said, come on, Billy Graham. We got to go. Every time I hear that story, it rocks me. Because we look at the fruit, but we didn't see the, the prayers. We didn't see the passion. We didn't see the devotion in private. Every public powerhouse has paid a private price. The key to the power of God is a prayer life. The key to the power of God is a prayer life. God, do it again. God, do it again. 
God, do it again. Just, just the last thought on faith to, without kind of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but one of my favorite movies, it's a pretty naughty movie, is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's got Steve Martin and Michael Caine. And uh, anyway, Steve Martin plays uh, the, the, the part of this swindler, um, Mr. Benson. Uh, I've written it down, Freddie Benson. And uh, anyway, he swindles this girl out of you know, $50 on a train pretending it's for his grandmother's eye operation or something. And then he gets off and, and Michael Caine is living on this, this beautiful island in Switzerland, you know, uh, right by, the, right by the, the lake. And uh, he lives in a multi-million dollar mansion. And so Freddie Benson, Steve Martin, thinks that he can use his little swindle gift to get $50 here and 100 bucks there. And then when he sees what Michael Caine is doing, Michael Caine's got millions as he lives in this opulent estate with his statue and the most finest art and butler and servants. And, you know, it just, it's just dramatic. And, uh, and it, really, it really impacts me because when I lived in New Zealand, I had Freddie Benson faith. My, my faith was for 50 bucks here or 100 bucks there, and I only exercise faith for emergencies. I exercise faith wow. to pay my rent. I exercise my faith. If there was a crisis, then, then I went to faith. But when, when I left New Zealand and went to Phil Pringles, I again came into a house where I began to see faith, but I saw faith very different. In New Zealand, I had faith to get a miracle house. I had faith to get a miracle car. And I had a whole litany of miracles. But I only exercised that faith when I was in crises. I only exercised that faith when I was in need. Then I get to Phil Pringle, and I find that Phil Pringle every day was exercising faith. Not because he needed something, but because he had a vision for something. And so he was exercising faith not for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or pay the rent or pay bills. He was exercising faith to take buildings. He was exercising faith to take territory. He was exercising faith to increase. He was exercising faith for enlarge. And God has called us here in San Diego to use faith to take territory, to use faith to take Desconso, to use faith to buy 400 acres down in, in uh, Campo, to use faith to see 16 campuses, to use faith to raise up leaders, to use faith to get into our colleges, to use faith to impact our high schools, to use faith to raise up a new generation, to use faith to see hundreds of millions of dollars come into the kingdom of God through our pathfinders, through our marketplace, so that we can establish God's kingdom and God's righteousness right here, right now in the city of San Diego. God has called us to use faith, not just to bail us out of miracles, but God has given us faith so we can take territory. That same faith that draws the power of God is not just there for when you're in a crises. It's not just, and, and it works in crises. I'm not trying to dismiss crises. I'm just trying to tell you, don't only go to faith in crises. Go to faith every day. Believe God every day. Faith has a confession. The woman said, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What is your confession? Is it hopeless? Is it useless? Is it no good? Or is your faith confession, if only I may touch? Father, we thank you today. Disconso is ours. We declare the banks releasing the finance 
finance in Jesus' name. Father, we declare money comes. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for men impacted, 1,600 men impacted at Emerge Conference. Father, we thank you for Campo paid cash in full. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for territory taken. We thank you for our youth ministry exploding into the thousands. We thank you for colleges opening up, that every single college has a move of God, that we have warrior men and warrior women. We have a whole new Billy Graham generation of young men and young ladies rising up, saying, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, do it again. Father, we thank you right now that, that there will be no Nicholas Cruises on our watch, that when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, angels will say, you see this one who was isolated. The devil was all over him, trying to make him the next serial killer, trying to make him the next school shooter. But because your youth ministry reached out, because your college ministry reached out, because your church was more about reaching the lost and reaching other people than enjoying their clicky little clubs, you prevented another accident. You prevented another tragedy. You prevented another shooting. In, fa in fact, you redirected him to become a powerful evangelist. Instead of killing lives, he saved lives. Instead of destroying lives, he built up lives. Father, we thank you today for the presence and the power of God resting on these sons and daughters. And Father, we know there is nothing more precious, nothing more valuable than faith in you because we want to see your power flow. As I said, God has no, God has no limit to power. There is no limit to God's power. God's power is, God is continually buzzing with power. Jesus is your faith. He knew it was his power, but his power remained in him, but it was her faith that drew it out. It was her faith that drew it out. The greatest thing that you and I can have in this life is faith. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When the, when the word is present, faith, faith comes. That's why the devil doesn't want the word in schools because he doesn't want a generation with faith. Why does he want them to have faith? Because the power of God travels through faith. Faith is like a lightning rod. If you, if you, if you went out with, with, a, with a three iron and ran around in the lightning, eh, you're a good chance you're going to get struck. That's what, that's what faith is. Faith will draw the power right to you. So the devil doesn't want faith in our schools. He doesn't want faith in our colleges. He wants to create a faithless and perverse culture where sin, iniquity, darkness, devastation thrive. But you and I are called to preach the gospel. Whether we're praised or whether we're persecuted, we're called to preach. We're, called, we're like that lighthouse keeper. We have to go out. We don't have to come back. We have to go out. We've got to turn the light on. There are people whose lives can be shipwrecked, can be smashed and lost up against the rocks. We have to go out. We don't have to come back. Amen. Come on, lift your hand. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, we thank you today for the presence and power of God. Father, I declare that, Lord, what we do is we're not doing church business. Father, we are undertaking kingdom business. We are, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And Father, what we do each and every week is, is not just administration. It's not data entry. It's not just, you know, running the, the, the semantics of operating church on a Sunday. Father, what we do goes so far beyond church on a Sunday. What we are doing is we are raising up a brand new generation of men and women who are the salt and the light of the world that we go into the darkness and we turn the light 
John, that we go into places of devastation. We bring the salt. We bring that which will heal. We bring that which will preserve. Father, we bring that which will bring flavor and taste back to people whose lives have gone numb because of the deadening effects of sin and iniquity. Father, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for your power today resting on our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 